right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. With me is Adam Dravetta, as always, here on RCST. We're going to be joined by Jimmy Chavez, the voice of the KU women's basketball team, in about 35 minutes from right now, KU Women's Basketball had a big win last night. We'll talk more about that throughout the show. Um, we'll also be joined by Michael Swain of 24-7 Sports. He comes on with us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Something we didn't get to yesterday after Tuesday night, KU beating Iowa State. We mentioned yesterday how um, as important as the win was, it wasn't the best game that the KU would play and the offense continues to struggle a little bit but one thing we didn't mention in, in kind of the glass half full view is that if the goal is obviously winning the Big 12 as, as far as it goes in the regular season and that was a big win to keep pace atop the Big 12. Now there was an added incentive to that on Tuesday night because it, it was funny I was actually so is that the game and um me and my wife were were sitting there, went to the game together, and the whole section around us, I would say probably four or five people had their phones up streaming the end of the Texas Tech-Baylor game as the KU-Iowa State game is going on, and uh, it was just kind of funny, and everybody kind of cheered and everything when Texas Tech ended up putting the... Uh, final nail in the coffin, I guess, and winning that game and winning at Baylor on top of it to where... Um, I, I guess, I, I don't know, uh, you could convince me that, yeah, Baylor's still number one on Ken Palm, and this is just like a weird thing that happened to them. They just lost a weird game. They're still going to be this wagon who could go 15-3 and three or 16-2 and two in the Big 12. Uh, but the fact that we have seen all these different Big 12 teams, and, and this was a little bit of a rare case of the, the road team winning, but pretty much the home teams have just gotten big win after big win so far in Big 12 play, and there's been so much parity. Iowa State beat Texas Tech. Texas Tech beats Kansas and Baylor. Kansas beats Iowa State. Uh, Kansas beats Oklahoma State, who then turns around and, and I think they beat Texas. So, like, you just go through the litany of weird results in the Big 12. It's just such a good conference that it's beating up on each other. And I kind of wondered, you know, prior to that game, really, if Baylor was going to be the one team who was immune to the teams beating each other up. But I think what we saw Tuesday was that, no, they are not immune. Nobody is immune in the Big 12 this year, I, I think, is is what I'm coming to. This might be an early overreaction because we're only three to four games in, depending on the team. Um, but, A, it certainly makes you feel better about the Texas Tech loss for Kansas. And, B, it makes you winning that game against Iowa State even more important because of the fact that now, with Baylor losing, you do feel like, yeah, we're still right in the thick of things. Not that they weren't, but we are, you know, it's not Baylor one, us two. It's everybody is up there. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think if you're Baylor, you're walking away going, well, just a loss to yeah. another good team. That was Texas Tech. But they doesn't had- it make you feel like Baylor is, and, and this both goes for a conversation of Kansas versus Baylor head-to-head and also just Baylor in the conference overall, doesn't it make you feel like they're more beatable that maybe it's not going to take a 16-2 and season or a 15-3 and season to win the Big 12? 
Um, no, I still, I mean, really? I, I, I still think 14 and four is the, is the worst you can do to get home in this year's conference. Um, I get, but that has to do with why I, I that's what I think of Texas tech. I mean, I think they're really good. Um, and so I, I, I think 14 and four could, could get a team home. Um, I don't know that I, I, I think that Baylor, I would feel differently if Baylor had lost to somebody else aside from Texas tech. Uh, I now look TCU gave them a lot. I mean, they wound up pulling away at the end, but that was T, Baylor was uncomfortable against TCU for a long period of time. Um, so I, you know, I I don't know that Baylor is. Um, look, they're they're beatable. KU can very can beat them. There's not a doubt in my mind. Um, but no, I I I guess it wouldn't. I'm trying to find a way to word this. It wouldn't stun me if Baylor came home fifteen and three or sixteen and two. Um, no, it wouldn't to me either. But but, but I, I I guess I don't know that I feel any differently about what Baylor can do. I, I don't feel any differently about Baylor now. I guess the fact that it was a home game means something. Although I'm going to be honest with you, um, Baylor's crowd, Baylor's fan base isn't particularly no great. They don't show up. Um, but it was a home game. But I, I guess. I'm basing this much more on what I think of Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech is a legit top 15 team. And so it, it doesn't, like, I, I could have viewed that as one of Baylor's. If you were if you were giving me three losses, big, big 12 losses for Baylor this year, I'm not sure I would have picked that one because it was in, in Waco, but it, it doesn't really change my opinion on them much. See, I, I think to me, it doesn't change my opinion how good I think they are. But it, ch- it does change my opinion because I was I was honestly thinking like this could be a fifteen and three sixteen two Baylor team. I think there is going to be more of a muddling uh, across the top teams in the conference. I think that when you look at it right now, uh, Baylor um, to get to for instance fourteen and four, they'd have to go eleven and three the rest of the way in conference play, which that's very doable. But you still have to play Kansas twice home and away. You still have to play Texas twice home and away. You still have to play. Iowa State at home, you almost lost to them on the road. You still have to play Texas Tech on the road, who you just lost to. Um, you still have Oklahoma on the road. That's a really tough game. And then that's in addition to the games against the teams who maybe aren't thought of as highly. But even if you just drop one of those games, puts you behind the eight ball in, in basically winning out or only losing two more of the rest. Like it, It's just going to be so hard in the Big 12 this year. Like I, I kind of have, have changed up from thinking – that Baylor could go sixteen and two and, and dominate the Big Twelve to thinking that yeah fourteen and four might be what it is. Um, last season, KU for instance was second at twelve and six. Baylor was thirteen and one. Uh, the team probably would have finished like sixteen and two or seventeen and one year before KU went seventeen and one. So that's been what it, which what, stands the best. Yes. seventeen and one is the best record since they moved to the eighteen game schedule. Uh, those are are more outlier years, I think, though, um, because when you look back to the Big Twelve. 2019, 14 and four got it done. 2018, 13 and five got it done, and got you one seed. Yeah, but also not only did 13 and five get it done, everyone else in the league was 11 and seven or lower. That's right. They won it by KU won it by two that year. Yeah, 13 and five. A year before, another outlier and two got it, but two, two outliers in a row here. Everyone else was twelve and six or lower. Yeah, so, so like so that you won it by four games. And I get it. You can't just say, well, they would have still won it at thirteen and five because if they get to thirteen and five, they're Other losing teams, games yeah. to some of those teams. So maybe thirteen wins gets it. But I guess that's my point. I, I think 
history, even just as far back as 2018, 2017, which isn't that far back, would show you that, I don't know, in some of those weird years, like 12 wins, 13 wins, that might be enough to at least get a share of the conference. Yeah. Um, like, and, and that's how deep the Big 12 is this year. I kind of wonder if that's the case. I kind of wonder if 12 and 6 gives you a shot at a share and if 13 and 5 is enough to win the league. 2018, I mean, 13, I don't know. I think 13 and 5, I would put 13 and 5. Is probably share territory. Yeah, I would say 13 and 5. Granted, the year that Kansas won it at 13 and 5, they did win it by two games. I I would put 13 and 5. It's not as much an outlier as 17 and 1, but I do think it is on the more extreme mm-hmm. end. Like if we took out the median, that yeah, would be Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do think it's more... Um, more realistic at thirteen and and five than than seventeen and one. Like I think, excuse me, I think thirteen and and I'll even say this because Baylor, because now the best they can do is seventeen and one. I, I don't think thirteen and five gets it done, but I think that's more likely than sixteen and two. Well, you have twenty fourteen fifteen too. That was thirteen and five. The teams in second and third were uh, twelve and six. Twenty fourteen fourteen and four got it done by two games. Um, so there are cases here. I guess is my point. Yeah, um, it, it seems like fourteen and four to fifteen and th- fourteen and four seems to be the number. Yeah, fourteen and four. And, and the more we talk it out, like I, I don't see Baylor getting twelve and six. They're they're not going to lose that many. Oh, games. that would be a colossal disappointment. That would. But thirteen and five, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Again, like I said, if you lose, what's more likely, thirteen and five for Baylor, or fifteen and three for Kansas. I think 13 and 5 for Baylor because yeah. uh, I mean you could lose at Kansas. There's your second loss. You could lose at Texas or just one of the two to Texas. We'll just play the numbers game. Now you're at three losses. You lose at Texas Tech. Now you're at four and then you just lose one other game. There to go to Ames. Yeah, they did. They won. But they still have the return trip and Iowa State showed at Kansas yeah, like you, could you know, playing on the road. Yeah. Um so I I don't think it's unreasonable. I I do think what's realistic is probably 14. I mean, that's what Ken Palm has. Ken Palm has Baylor going 14 and 4 in coverage play. So that if we're to start right there, let's just say 14 and 4, you feel comfortable. The 14 and 4 is at least going to get you a share. It probably there's a there's well, a real chance it could get you I'll say outright. this, if champion Big 12 championship or otherwise, if somebody wanted to give me 14 and 4 right now, not knowing how the other teams would do, I'd 100%. take that to the bank. Well, and here's here's what I because that would mean that too. you, I mean, if if Baylor wants to have a, a, an outlier great season to win the Big Twelve, they can do it. Yes, I just but if somebody wants to give as a Kansas fan, if somebody wants to give me fourteen and four, not knowing what what will be good enough to win the Big Twelve, they just say you take fourteen and four. It might be good enough to win the Big Twelve, a share outright. You don't, or maybe good enough for second place. You don't know. Would you take it? I take it. Yeah, and I think here's a big reason why. If you go 14 and 4 as good as this league is this year, even if you finish second in the conference, that's a one seed, right? What's the uh so I wrote down earlier all the one seeds under Bill Self. What what would that what would the overall record of the J what what's their record right now? 11 and 3. Well, I mean, we don't know how the Kentucky game goes, which no, obviously No, 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 no but part. what's what's the current Jayhawks record? Yeah, 13 record? and 2, but 13 um, and 2, so if and they have They win 11 and 1 in the non-con. So 13 and 2, so 14 and 4. Or you'd say 14 and 4, 13 and 5. 14 and 4. 14 and 4, yeah. So 11 and 1 in the non con. I know we haven't counted Kentucky yet. So that puts them at 25 and 5 mm-hmm. and either 26, 26 and 4. Uh, yes. Dep- well, depending on what you do 
in the Big 12 tournament, but 26 and 4, I'd feel really comfortable if, if they get that Kentucky win. 25 and 5, or no, I, it'd be 20, it'd be 26 and 5, or 24 and 6, right? No, so yeah, or yeah. 20, um, I just don't think there's any way that they, if you go 14 and 4 in the Big 12, with all of the quad one wins, you would be quad yeah. one and quad two wins, you would be racking up um, in the best conference in the country as deep as it is. I don't think there's any way you wouldn't get a one seed. Here are the the Bill Self's one seeds uh, at Kansas. Uh, this is going to be this is going to include back when it was a 16 game schedule. 07, they went 14 and two. Their overall record was 27 and four. That year included losses at home to Oral Roberts and on the road to DePaul. So a couple really terrible non-con losses. 14 and two in the Big 12. They won it outright. They tied it in 2008 at 13 and three, going 28 and three. Um, they beat Texas in the Big 12 tournament championship game, which might have decided one team getting a one and the other getting a two, because Kansas was a one, Texas was a two that year. Um, the next time they got a one seed was 2000, 2010. They lost two regular season games. They went 15 and one in the Big 12. Obviously, they're getting a one seed. 14 and two, 29 and two. That was 2011. They got a one seed. Then 2013, which was more similar to 2018. 2013, which is more what we're talking about right now, they go 26-5, and 14-4 and four in the Big 12. And then 15-3 uh, and three in the Big 12 in 2016, 16-2 in 2017, 17-1 in 2020. And then 2018, they go 13-5, and five, um, but they did win the Big 12 tournament. Mm-hmm. Um and they wound up uh, getting a one seed that year. So there are there's precedent of them. And also in 2013, they won the Big 12 tournament after going 14 and four in conference. So there's definitely precedent of this team going um, 14 and four, 13 and five, getting you home at a one seed, particularly if you're at a you you are viewed as a high level league, which the Big 12 at this point is. Yeah, I, I think what I think is. 14 and 4 to 13 and 5 what we've seen from that is 15 and 3 you are a one seed one seed period 13 and 5 14 and 4 keeps you in the conversation yeah. and then it probably just depends on like if you can win one of two either win the Big 12 tournament or beat Kentucky you add that on to that resume boom that's probably a one seed now it does, maybe it gets a little more difficult because if you finish second in the Big 12 well that probably means Baylor's secured a one seed Gonzaga's probably going to be a one seed so now you're you're yeah, looking at two spots other teams now the ACC seems to be eating itself alive ACC's too. eating itself alive um who knows Villanova could work themselves up there um maybe somebody from the Big 10 but they might eat themselves up because there's a lot of good teams in the Big 10 but maybe Purdue uh the SEC is going to have a lot of candidates Auburn LSU Kentucky especially if Kentucky yeah Kentucky beats Kansas they, and their Kentucky's Ken Palm number is so much higher mm-hmm. than their AP number well, right now. And if uh, if Arizona, if, if they go like twenty seven and three or something, they're in, in the Pac twelve, right? They're going to get a one seed. Well, so, wait, is is the Pac twelve uh, an eighteen game schedule too? Yes, it is. I feel like if you go sixteen and two, it, now look, KU in two thousand twelve was a two seed at sixteen and two in the Big Twelve. Uh, now, they did lose in the semifinals of the Big 12 tournament that year. Had they won that extra game, maybe they do get that one seed. Um, but, man, if you go 16-2 and two in a Power 5 league, you you're in, you have to be thought of as a one seed. Of yeah. course, depending on what the rest of the— of I, the 
I just think it's going to be so hard to keep KU out of that discussion this year because of the fact of how good the Big 12 is that if you go 14-4 and in that league, it at least puts you in the discussion. At worst case, you'd be a two seed. I I probably think the same. If you go 13-5 and in the league, probably you're a two seed at that point or better. And again, if you go 13-5 or 14-4, not only are you getting a high seed in the NCAA tournament, I think it will give you a real chance at uh, winning the Big 12. Yeah, the only way that there's an exception to this is if somehow something really weird happens like Texas Tech gets crazy hot and they finish like let's say you know if 14 and 4 gets you like or 13 and 5 is good enough for like third in the league then maybe not but if the chances of that are so low that I think 15 and 3 um I go back to what I said earlier I think 15 and 3 gets you definitively a league title and a one seed but I think more likely less the one seed and more the league title I think 14 and 4 brings it home this year um, but it wouldn't stun me if, if the league champ is sitting there, whether it be Kansas, Baylor, or somebody else, is sitting there at 15-3 and three at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, if you go 14-4 and four and Baylor goes 15-3, and three, there's going to be a lot of separation between third place, though, with everybody beating up each other. I just I just think there's going to be so much drama and back and forth with all these Big 12 beat, teams beating up each other as we've kind of seen so far early through the season. All right. Uh, the KU women's basketball team got a big win last night, taking down 13th-ranked Texas. We'll discuss next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn.com. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Jimmy Chavez, the voice of the KU women's basketball team, is going to join the show in about 15 minutes from right now because KU got a big win last night. The women's team downing 13th-ranked Texas on the road in overtime, 70-66. to 66. It was their second game in three days. They had some rescheduling to do with uh, the COVID pause that they went on. They, they won at TCU on, I want to say that was Monday night, um, yep. and then beating Texas today. So they're 2-1 well, now. They didn't even get to come back home in between road games. No, they did not. They go, I assume they left Sunday. I would assume they left Sunday for Fort Worth and then went straight to Austin. Well, and, and I think impressive, too, of how it happened. So Texas... But first of all, okay, we complained about ESPN three or not ESPN three, ESPN plus the other day. Um, you know what's worse than that? Longhorn Network because nobody gets it. Oh uh, yeah, you can it's only like get the, it um, if you're in the Austin area. It's like the Pac twelve. It's network. like what's the point? Yeah. What is the point anyway? So you couldn't really watch the game unless you. I don't know if if you like finagled some way around it so that was unfortunate what's but, the deal with the longhorn network <laughs> but you could have listened to it right here on klwn last night um, jimmy chavez that's right texas hit a three to tie the game late in regulation um k was up three with a minute to go texas hits the three with seconds left so it goes to ot and i think that's really impressive anytime a team kind of you you have another team who's the home team on top of it, who is the higher ranked team. They have the momentum heading into overtime because they hit the shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you respond to that and you win the game. Yeah, it's really easy. I'll be interested to see what Jimmy has to say about this because that's an easy situation to go, well, bummer, we gave it a hell of an effort. Like Kansas had a lot of excuses that they could have used um, last night. They, you know, well, you know, 
we had we 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 won a close game the other night on the road. We're still on the road. We gave a good fight to this team. They're a top fifteen team. They just made a great three to tie it. You know, no shame in losing losing in overtime, and they they didn't. Um, they you know they 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 had every reason to pack it in and still come away thinking, well, at least we gave it a hell of an effort. Um, but they they just kept going, and and that was um, that's big. I mean that that shows quite a bit of toughness and uh, continuing the theme that we've talked about all year as we kept an eye on them you know the first kind of spot that that made us raise our eyebrows was actually a loss um because we we said you know well they've they've done well in non-con before but then struggled in conference play um because their non-con games were all kind of teams that aren't great mm-hmm. um and but the first game that actually made us raise our eyebrows was a loss they they, they only lost to tennessee by 10 and, and gave them hell and that kind of made us go okay and then they kept not only winning their non-con games granted against lesser opponents but absolutely destroying them and so you not only are you winning you're you're winning in a way that a good team would beat these would beat these teams and right now, Kansas sits at a top five in the Big 12 standings, and they're the only unranked team in the top five of the Big 12. I would imagine they're going to, because they still have another game this week that they could lose. It's it's at home against a ranked Baylor squad. Yeah, Baylor is desperate for a win. Baylor hasn't won a Big 12 game yet yeah, this year. Yeah, they just got upset as well last night. Um, so as long as KU doesn't lose by, like, you know, 30 points or something, like, I would imagine they're at least receiving votes. But again, like, these are the, the margins of victories of their non-conference wins. SIU Edwardsville by 36, Tennessee State by 23, Omaha by 25, St. Louis by 29, UTEP by 26, uh, Rio Grande Valley by 31, Vanderbilt by 7, Santa Clara by 15, Wichita State by 13. Again, like none of those teams are great or anything, but what they all do is the fact that you blow them out, that has to uh, move the needle a little bit, but we still were kind of waiting on what are you going to do in Big 12 play? Because we haven't necessarily seen them blow everybody out like they maybe have this year in the non-con, but we've seen years where we've you know, seen eleven and one exactly. non-conference record, and then it's before. two and sixteen or three yeah. and fifteen or whatever in Big 12 play, and it doesn't come together. And the fact that you win at TCU on Monday wasn't necessarily an indication that that had changed, but it at least was an indication. Okay, we didn't lose this game. This win against Texas feels almost like vindication to me of like. That yeah, the non-con was real. You winning all those games by a lot of points. Yeah, and 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 time is going to tell. I mean, if this team winds up the last two times uh, that the Kansas women's basketball team made the tournament, they were an 11 seed in 2012 and a 12 seed in 2013, and they made the Sweet 16 both years, um, getting some upsets along the way. Both of those years, they went eight and ten in the conference. So that gives you again, that was um, eight and nine years. No, nine and ten years ago. So you're not, you know, maybe things change, but that gives you at least some idea of, of what it might take. And yeah, if this get team, to 500. Yeah, if this team comes home at 9-9 nine and nine in in the conference play, that puts them at, what, 20-10 and 10 yeah. or something like that, 21-10 plus the Big 12 tournament, um, then you're in a really good spot, I think. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you're, you're especially if, if you can get more wins like this one, you know, beat all the teams that you're clearly better than, and then climb up and and grab you know another win, one or two more wins like this. I mean, you're playing K State twice, and K State's ranked right now uh, 25th. So you they have a chance to 
play multiple games against more ranked opponents. Yeah. Just find a way, like I said, to get to 500. Um, And, and you know what else was nice about last night? It, it wasn't just like a, a fluke win where you look up at the end of the day and you say, well, they got lucky, like this went for them, and, and they made 16 threes and the other team hit two, and or the other team had, had 30 turnovers or something. KU was the better team last night. They shot 49% from the field. They held Texas to 41%. So the defense was there. And get this. Um, remember that that points in the paint differential that KU, the men's team, had against Texas Tech on Saturday and they lost? Well, that was what Texas did, or I'm sorry, what Kansas did to Texas on the women's front last night pretty much. Uh, KU had a 36-14 to 14 edge in points in the paint. 36-14. to 14. And this is a, a guard-oriented team. For KU. Yeah. I mean, and that's which, really impressive. Tip, now, again, as you mentioned, I we weren't able to watch the game. You had games to cover, and, and I don't have Longhorn Network. Um, but what that – typically what that tells you, you've got some really quick guards who can who can make moves, get under guys, or get under uh, other players, um, and, uh, and, and make shots happen close to the basket, um, not because they've got, you know, a seven-footer, or in the case of the women's game, maybe a 6'11". 6'10 type player, um, you know, you, you've they've got legit quick speed on their on their guards. Um, Holly Kerskeeter is a fun player to watch and name to say. Yes, um, and you know they 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 play um, they play a specific type of ball. They know exactly who they are, and and they just um, I I just I, I like seeing this happening, um, and I hope it continues. I it's it's so fun. I still remember. Um, you know, to have two teams in the Sweet 16, KU in 2012 and 2013 put both their men's and women's teams in the Sweet 16. That's fun. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's it's super fun to watch. Um, And, and I don't want to say, like, oh, it's a for sure thing that everything's, you know, golden now that they're going to be an NCAA tournament But team. we're gathering more evidence that it looks good. Correct. We continue to gather more and more that it does look good. But it's far from over. It could just be a hot start. could just be that you had a nice upset and that you are better than you were last year or in years past. But maybe you're still not good enough to be an NCAA tournament team. That we're only going to wait and see. But for right now, you got to be happy with it. This is the first time they have a winning record in Big 12 play through at least three games or more since the 2017-18 season. Um, but even then, that didn't feature a ranked road win. It didn't feature two road wins overall. It also is their first road conference win since the 2019-20 season, and on top of it, again, not only their first conference win, they did it against a ranked opponent. Um, so first, I don't really know what the future holds for this first, team. First but win in Austin since 2012. Yeah, they, they're trending in a very good direction, and we always talk about guards win in March and everything. Well, now, if you have your, we, your three leading scores are guards. We laid it out there, and I know we got to get to a, a break here because we we're, we have Jimmy Chavez, the, the voice of the Kansas women's basketball team, coming up. But I do want to know we we laid it out there that that it's time to put up for Schneider, um, mm -hmm. you know it, he's he's struggled and and you know we we're both the type we don't take lightly, you know it's not, it means something when a coach loses their job, um, it, it's a tough thing and you don't want to be the type you know I think the people who just go on in their columns or in their radio shows to and call for coaches' jobs without thinking about it I, I think that's a jerk move, but I think in a in a world where you know in a sport where you expect you know results the results had not been there in the Brandon Schneider era yet and so far um we're seeing them come in and, and I really really hope that continues yeah no I mean this is his seventh season on the job and um 
it just it hasn't been good enough so far. I mean, I'm sure he would tell you would look at the record and and say that 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 doesn't change the fact that he can't still be a really good coach and that oh, yeah, he's, he's not a good guy and everything. So I don't want it to sound like that, but it just hasn't been good enough so far. And and it is interesting too that you know most coaches don't get till year seven to get it going, but he's been able to maybe partially a little bit. He's by, had 72 athletic directors. Well, that's the thing. Like maybe that's that's part of the reason why. Um and and. I don't know. Maybe coaches should be getting longer tenders and, and longer um, leashes, so to speak, for for how long they can be the guy. And maybe this is proof of that. And uh, I, th- I think it's just a cool story that he's taking advantage of the opportunity that's been given to him and and uh, pretty good start. So we're going to talk more with KU women's basketball with Jimmy Chavez, the voice of the KU women's team. He joins us on the other side. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depends. Welcome back in. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. We're joined now by the voice of the KU women's basketball team, Jimmy Chavez, who was on the call last night. KU taking down Texas in Austin. I guess KU just has ownage over University of Texas right now. Uh, so, Jimmy, what went right? for the Jayhawks last night in pulling that upset over a top 15 team ranked team on the road and, and how repeatable do you think what they did in that game is moving forward for the rest of Big 12 play? Well, first of all, number one, we scored more points than them. That's always a good start. David would agree with me if I if he, if he were listening or uh, on this interview with us. So we'll start with that. Uh, second, if uh, the best way to kind of put it is that and this isn't me talking. This is what Brandon Schneider said last night, that this could be the kind of win where it sends a message to him, the staff, and the players, and really to the, the people who care and support the program that maybe this is where they turn the corner. Because it's one thing to get a, a win at home, and they've beaten Texas at home in the past. But to go down on the road, and you had three games in five nights, two games in three. You were on the road in Texas for those last two games. You beat a, a tough TCU team in a game where they came back after you're up by 15 and past teams would have just folded and just gone home for the night. And then you win the game because you persevere. You come up clutch when it's time to win the game. But then you go to Texas, and they're very physical. And he said during practice, and he said at shoot-around, that uh, every rebound is going to be a car wreck. Meaning, I mean, it's not going to be for the faint at heart. They fall behind 9-2, to two and it's everything that he and the coaches said they would do and how physical they play with the guards, how physical they were inside. Past teams that have been like, yeah, this, this is for us. Let's, let's get this over with and go home. But they stand toe-to-toe with them, and they punch back, and they lead for most of that game. And even when Texas ties the game to go to overtime, again, past teams that have been like, see, we, here it goes again. But at some point you say that those days are over, and it's not going to be here it goes again. And they were the stronger team mentally and physically in the overtime. They dominated that overtime. They made the plays. They made the baskets when they had to. They got the stops. They caused the turnovers. They hit the free throws. That's what winning teams do, and that's what they're doing. So, I mean, it's you try not to make too big a deal over one game because it's just one game in a long season. But if you follow the program and you know their trials and tribulations and things that they've gone through. Oh, and then they're just coming off a three-week COVID shutdown. I mean, there's just so much to be happy about. Yeah, It makes getting home at 3.30 not so bad. (laughs) Well, long night for you, that's for sure. Um, We're talking with Jimmy Chavez. 
here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, is that the the crown jewel win so far of the Brandon Schneider era with KU women's basketball? I think so. I mean, you won at Texas. They're, they're ranked number 12. They're not chopped liver. And uh, they're a good team. They're very physical. They're going to beat up some teams. And you took their best shot, and you dished it back. Now, of course, the, the coaches will always say, now, don't get me wrong, Brandon was super excited. I mean, if you know Brandon and you've gotten a chance to know him and know what he's about, know his story, you can't not be happy. I mean, you could tell he was fighting back emotion after the game, and as you should. They, they pour their heart into this thing. They work their butts off to do this. And when, when you lose a game, part of you dies a little. So to have a moment like that and to do it down there with everything they've gone through. And the thing is, everything just feels different around the program, around the vibe. And he kept talking about this. There's just a, a different feeling, uh, this feeling of positivity. It, it, I mean, it's a really good story that – Hopefully people will start to take notice and hopefully people will start coming to the games because if they give these girls a chance, they're going to find out that they're very likable human beings and they're easy to root for. And the thing is, and even if you don't and you continue to not support them, then they're still going to be very likable people who very much represent the university the way you want to be represented. And, uh, I mean, it's a very good story that's starting to unfold. When we've seen other seasons where KU's had the the strong non-con play and the, and the strong record as they did this year as well, but it just didn't necessarily lead to results in, in Big 12 play. Um, but this year, I guess early on, I don't know if it's the Texas win cementing that, but it just it seems different. Um, and not just the fact, too, that you, you have the, the Texas win now or two straight road conference wins, but the fact that all the non-conference games outside of the loss to Tennessee, I mean, it wasn't just they were they didn't play bad games. that game either. No, but they, but they were blowing these teams out, winning by 10, 20 points really in every game. Uh, was there a certain game or, or a certain point this year that you look back on when, when you kind of, I, I don't know, maybe it was the very first game, when you, you kind of had a different feeling that this team was going to be a little bit different than some of those teams in years past? Part of it's the Vegas trip, but I'll be very honest with you. I mean, regardless of what, what you thought before, what this team did this week says more about them than anything because not just the games you won, but look at the circumstances they won them under. They, the, nobody did any favors for them. You played two games in three nights coming off a of COVID shutdown, so you're trying to get your legs back under you. You're not even completely at full strength, and you play tough ball games where you had some adversity in both of them, and you responded both times. I mean, they wouldn't even respond some to, in, in the past some years at home in the situation, and they did it on the road. And even last night, it's like the it's like in baseball. You have the getaway day where you could almost if they would have lost by twenty points last night, it would have been disappointing. But you'd be like, you know what? They had a good road trip. You know, they were just ready to go home. No, they wanted to go win because it's that much more of a of a happy flight. You get on the airplane and the pilot tells you how long the flight's going to take, where you're going, all that stuff, weather, and then he says, and congrats on the win, and just that feeling when they hear that, like it, that's enough to make you make your eyes almost water for them. Because they're the ones who, this is their story. And I, I, I don't know. It, 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 I've, I've been with them seven years, and it, it was probably the coolest thing last night. That's, that's something I'd like to bottle up in whatever it is I do in my life going forward. I, I'd, I'd like to just relive what I saw. It had nothing to do with me. I was just there. I just got a chance to watch the game. But watching how happy they were. 
And there's one thing when you're happy when you win, but I cannot accurately describe the pure elation and joy, but also a feeling of accomplishment. And then go look at the social media and the videos and the pictures in the locker room and stuff like that. And uh, it, it, you want to be a part of it. That's all genuine. That's from the heart. You can't fabricate that. Is there a, I noticed that right now the, the teams that surround Kansas and the Big 12 standings, um, everybody has a number next to them except for KU. Um, is there is there a message from Coach Snyder of the, you know, no one's paying attention, we're getting disrespected, or is he still just keeping it in, let's just focus on what, what we can focus on? That, and, you know, uh, a former great coach at the University of Kansas once said to keep sawing wood, and that's pretty much what you just got to keep doing. You, you can't get caught up in all the numbers and stuff like that, and that's for those people to worry about. You just got to take care of yourself. You win the games in front of you, and all that other crap just takes care of itself. And they're not, there's no, there's not a bitterness. There's not a anything. It's just one day at a time, one game at a time. Build this program and everything will figure itself out. Did last night feel like a culmination of proof that this team could, because um, everything we're talking about is, is about, you know, the program hitting uh, a higher level from where it's been over years past. But but specifically, I, I don't know if this is a goal that the team has talked about, but of, of trying to make it to the NCAA tournament, does, does last night feel like proof that they could be a real NCAA tournament team? I think if you're a fan, it can be, but to them, it's just they, they went out. Here's the difference. They went out and played these games they expected to win. It wasn't like, oh, look what I found. Oh, this is so nice. We actually uh, we, we got to win. They expected to win. That's the difference right there. They expect to win these games. If anything, they're probably saying, wow, now I wish we could have that Oklahoma game back because we let that one get away. That's a big difference than in years past where they just hope to win. This team expects to win. That's a big difference when that starts happening so i don't know if it's a culmination of anything if anything it's just a it's another marker in the story and it almost starts to if you're a fan start daydreaming what what could be and you can't say that nobody in the league's unbeatable right now i don't think the 85 bears are in the big 12 so i think they have a chance against anybody and i can guarantee you they're going to believe they have a chance against anybody and even though they're happy to get a little rest today they can't wait to go out and play baylor on sunday we're talking with Jimmy Chavez, the voice of KU Women's Basketball here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You mentioned trying to get more people out to the uh, arena and everything at, at Allen Fieldhouse, and uh, I know they have a home game coming up on Sunday. Uh, for people trying to catch up on the season or maybe learn more about the team with all the excitement going around right now, how would you describe uh, this team? How would you describe some of their top players? Can you kind of give a primer for, for the listeners? They're fun kids who care a lot about each other, and it's genuine. They don't, they don't showboat. They don't show anyone up. They don't disrespect anyone or disrespect the game. They're good kids. They bust their butt in school. They bust their butt on the floor. And especially if you have families, if you have kids, they're people that you want the kids to meet and basically just, hey, hey I want to be their friend. They're good people. 
And I think if you give them a chance, you'll fall in love with them. And it starts as very simple. They go to a game, hey, did you have fun? Well, all right, come back next game. And before you know it, it develops sort of a cult following. But ask the fans who do come to every game. They'll tell you. They've been there through the whole thing. Uh, they're the ones who are going to be the happiest because to them it's like, oh, it's our little secret, but we want people to know our little secret. And it's it, listen, it's not, just, it's not just the fans. Let me tell you, the support they're getting is uh, – second to none right now um our athletic director travis goff flew down just to go to the tcu game monday night and then he flew back the next morning he literally flew just to come support them you know how much that means to everybody within the program that was so cool he just he came down to go to a basketball game uh, it really feels like for the first time everybody is on the same page everybody's in this together i mean it's it, it, it's a good feeling uh, i'm uh all the coffee in the world can't make me feel as good as, as I feel for them because I've been privileged enough to kind of just listen to the, the conversations and the worries and the things that they've, they've gone through really working hard to build this thing. And that's the thing. They feel like they're really building this there. I mean, Brandon has a staff that they're, they're all on the same page. They care about one another. They're great people. Uh, the kids are great people. The support staff, everybody's on the same page, and everybody seems to be committed to one cause that's greater than themselves. And so once you have that, anything's possible. There's, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. And, um, you know, as long as they stay healthy, because that's always the number one thing, as long as you stay healthy, it, it, it's it's going to be a fun season. It already has been, but that's the thing. It's, it's still just January, and unlike in past years, there's still a lot more to go. I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, and that includes this Sunday. Pretty big one taking on the Baylor Bears, another top 15 opponent, a team who um, really, when, when Kim Mulkey was the head coach, was the class of the Big 12. Now she's no longer there, but they've still obviously got a really good program uh, down in Waco, and they're coming up Talent Fieldhouse this Sunday. So how do you think KU matches up for this weekend's game with the Bears? I don't know. We'll find out. But I know uh, Baylor lost at Oklahoma last night. And like I said, uh, the 85 Bears and 96 Bulls are not in the league. Anybody's beatable on a given night and just go out there and line up and play. But uh, I guarantee you they're not going to be intimidated just because Baylor walks in the building. They'll, they'll give them all they can handle, and we'll see what happens. More reason to come out. It's supposed to be sunny, 2 o'clock game. Sun's going to come through the windows. You know, ask Coach Self about the sun coming through the windows. So it, those kids deserve the support. They deserve pe- to know that people care about what they're doing. And, you give, and if you give them a chance, whether they win or lose, I guarantee you you're going to come away as fans and you'll want to come back. All right. He is Jimmy Chavez, the voice of the Jayhawks on the KU women's basketball front. Uh, before we let you go, we do a little segment with all our guests at the end with my producer and co-host Adam Dravetta called One Last Thing with Adam. All right, Jimmy, one last thing. You brought up Coach Mangino's old philosophy. When was the last time you literally sawed and or chopped wood? Literally chopped wood? <laughs> yes. I, I've never chopped wood, but I like that question. All right. <laughs> I don't think I've ever chopped wood I I, uh, I used to do it as a as a, as a form of, of exercise, workout, never for me. Like a good exercise. Yeah, it's, it's Did you nice play idea. the training montage from Rocky IV? <laughs> no. And you Drago each time you struck the wood? I should have, but no. It was it was good workout, though. Yeah, and make it go faster if you did the montage style. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for the time, man. We appreciate it and look forward to hearing you on the call on Sunday on KLWN. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on.
All right, that was Jimmy Chavez. You can hear him on the call, the voice of the KU women's basketball team. This Sunday, KU taking on Baylor in Allen Fieldhouse. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back in. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn.com. Four o'clock hour with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We are joined now by Michael Swain of 24-7 Sports, Fog.net. Um, I, I want to talk a little KU football, a little KU basketball with you, Michael. We'll start off on the football front. A bunch of transfers have been or are visiting KU right now. Um, of all those players who are, are transfers and visiting them, or, or ones they've been in on that, that have maybe yet to commit, uh, which ones stick out right now as, as being ones that, I don't know, maybe would be the biggest home runs for KU to land? Yeah, I think it's really true right now. And for full context, they're only going to bring in two, at least that we know of right now for this weekend. Um, the first one, of course, being Kai Thomas, who, you know, some people in Lawrence might be familiar with from his time playing at Topeka High, went up to Minnesota, was a running back there and is now in the transfer portal. He was on campus on Tuesday for an unofficial visit. And then he'll be back tomorrow and Saturday for an official visit. So he'll get. You know, the, the full KU football treatment will get to see two basketball games in addition to that. Uh, he's one the staff has put a lot of time in with since they offered uh, on January 3rd. Um, the other one is going to be Lonnie Phelps, who's on campus as we speak. He's a defensive end. And I think the last time I was on with you, we talked a little bit about kind of the needs that KU had. And we talked about defensive end. And Lonnie Phelps is really, really zero in on. So he's on campus now. He's someone that will be, if you look at kind of the needs KU has, you know, he would probably be the biggest get that they could get because his pressure numbers at Miami, Ohio were awesome. I think he got pressure about 40% of the time he rushed. Um, a real good addition for KU. So those are the two um, the two names to know. And then we kind of get into that little 10-day window here um, between visits and then when the enrollment period stops on January 24th. Uh, we're talking with Michael Swain here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. So do you think they have a legit shot at, I know you mentioned Kai Thomas, the, the former Minnesota running back. Uh, does it feel like they have a, a good chance of, of landing this kid? Yeah, it sure, it sure seems so. Um, I wrote about it a little earlier today for our VIP subscribers that, I mean, you look at what kind of happened over the course of the week, right, where he goes out of his way and instead of going to another program or any other of the programs that have shown interest, he decides to visit KU twice in the span of a week. You know, he could have used that midweek visit and gone somewhere else because he has gotten plenty of interest. Um, you know, Purdue and Colorado have offered, but there are plenty of other schools that are in contact with him and trying to get him on campus. So the fact that he decided to spend his Tuesday night in Lawrence and then come back for a two-day official visit, I think, kind of points that KU is in a good spot. Now the question is kind of, where else is he going to go, you know, after he does this official visit to KU? Um, there's one visit planned to a Big Ten school, um, and that outside of that, you know, it's kind of decision time for him. So we'll see if he adds any other visits once he leaves Lawrence, but it does seem like they're in a really good spot with him. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious how that could possibly go over in the running back room when um, 
you have a guy that you brought on in Savion Morrison who decided to transfer in. I, I would assume part of the reason he transferred in is is looking for more playing time after he comes oh. in for Nebraska. Uh, do you think that would be looked upon uh, by uh, maybe some of those guys in the running back room, specifically maybe Savion Morrison is, listen, I, I committed to you assuming that you were going to give me more playing time and now you just over-recruited me. Yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic. And this is one of the things that when Thomas first entered the portal and KU offered him, I was a little skeptical. You know, is Kai Thomas going to want to come to a program where they just added Morrison? And then you've got Devin Neal, who is arguably the face of the program right now. So it's an interesting dynamic. And uh, the more I've thought about it, the more it does make sense for KU to add him. And from my opinion, at least, you know, Sevion Morrison's already on campus. If he saw this and wasn't happy with it, he wouldn't have already arrived on campus and be living in Lawrence and ready to start the fall semester or the spring semester, I should say, you know, next Tuesday. So I think it truly shows that Morrison is okay with what's going on because he's certainly seen it all. These guys are not blind to what's going on. So I think what you see now is that you can get kind of into what Lance Leipold did at Buffalo, which is a really a two running back system with a spare. And if anything that we saw last year was that running backs can go down rather quickly. And you don't know if Devin Neal is going to be able to play all 12 games and take every single you know snap at running back. So you're going to need two of them. And then you don't know. Maybe throughout the season, guys get banged up. Then you have the luxury of saying, hey, you want to know what? Let's give you a fewer carries this week so you can get back to 100%, but our offense isn't going to go down the drain because we don't have our star running back. So I think Kai Thomas would be a huge addition. And if you even look at someone like, you know, getting a little in the weeds here, but even Morrison could play out of the slot. It's something that we had 24-7 sports in his high school kind of scouting. Um, and he's someone that had played a little bit in the slot in high school and projects to where maybe he could play that way. In college, he wants to get really, really creative. They want to use so it does seem like it's absolutely to fit all three on the roster and keep them all happy. Yeah, I, I, I'm very curious how that all goes, and um, obviously, if it it goes poorly, then that I don't know. I wonder if that hurts you in, in the transfer portal in the future because you you start to to talk to some of these kids, and um, maybe they go, yeah, but I just saw that you just you know kind of screwed over that kid there. I I don't know, but also there's a, there's the other standpoint of it where it's. Um, all about competition, and um, nothing is promised. You you earn what you're given. So uh, I, I just think the whole dynamic is very interesting of, of what effects it could have. And, yes, at the end of the day, you're going to take the best players you can get and, and kind of try to figure it out from there. But you just wonder if it would have kind of repercussions moving forward. For sure. And I think, too, maybe look at it from a broader perspective in terms of the culture that Lance Leipold and the coaching staff wants to instill, right? You want to have a culture of work. And, you know, it may not be the greatest way to show with getting three running backs, you know, in the roster, but what better way to show that than to go and get two super talented running backs and bring them in to be kind of a competition for the face of the program as well? So all of a sudden you go into fall camp and all three of these guys are going to, you know, bust their butt every single day. You know, again, Devin, you know, the program, he's got to compete. And what does that show for an else on the roster? You've got to compete as well. So, you know, we're looking at it from an optimistic perspective and not thinking about, you know, guys like Tory Lachlan and Daniel Hishaw Jr., um, who might be a little more frustrated with the fact that they've been severely over-recruited. But I think in terms of the broader aspect of trying to establish this culture of work, I think it could go a long way in just showing that, hey, everyone is going to get an opportunity to compete and it's all about you to show up every day because if you don't, there are guys behind you that are going to take your spot. Switching gears to basketball as we're talking to Michael Swain of 24-7 Sports, Fog.net. Um, 
KU scored a win over Iowa State. Not the most impressive performance, but I know you just wrote a piece uh, talking about how important the win was for KU, despite kind of slugging through it, and a big piece of it as well is uh, with Baylor and Texas Tech winning on the road against the Bears. We were, we were kind of talking earlier at the beginning of the show about what we think it gets uh, gets it done in the Big 12 as far as winning the conference. Is 14-4 and four is enough? Um, would 13 and five give you a share of the conference? Do you have to go better than that? And what, uh, furthermore, gets a one seed? What's kind of your take on on the race at the top of the Big 12 right now? Yeah, I think it's and it's so interesting to say that you know this season specifically, you really do think Baylor's kind of the one that controls its own destiny for the most part, just because they're so darn talented. And I think that you look at Baylor's schedule, and they still have to go to Texas Tech, right? And KU lost at Texas Tech, and that's not an easy place to play. And so I do think that a you know uh, a fourteen and four uh, you know kind of that sort of area will get you close to it. Um, I think that KU and Baylor right now, my opinion is they'll probably split. So you're looking at Baylor probably being three losses, so fifteen and three. You know that's probably I think the best that Baylor could do this season. And so I think that if you're fourteen and four, you got to feel decent about your chances because then you're all asking is of Baylor to drop one of these other games, which could happen, right? Uh, you've always got to remember these are you know eighteen, twenty-two year olds, and they're not necessarily the most consistent people in the world. So they're, Baylor could drop a game here or there. I think that for KU, you just got to go game in and game out and just try and grind through it because the conference is so good, and teams like Iowa State that were picked to finish last can give you issues every night. So I do think kind of that 14-4 and area that you mentioned will kind of put you in the mix, and I think will probably get you a share. But, again, it's just so hard to tell where Baylor could be in terms of their own development over the course of the season. If you had to pick uh, the biggest positive to come out of that game against Iowa State, what would that be, and what would be the biggest negative to come out of that game? Let's start with the negative um, because it might lead me into the positive a little bit. Um, I think execution has been a big thing that's worried me. Um, You look at Bill Self's teams of the past. Last year you had Marcus Garrett. The year before you had Devon Dotson, Devontae Graham, Frank Mason before him. You had guys that Bill Self trusted to execute his plays down the stretch of the game. And I think what maybe that Dayton game and that final play showed us is that at least early on in the season, Remy Martin was not that guy. And if Remy Martin isn't that guy, who in the world is it? because Christian Brown as a ball handler isn't necessarily the most consistent. You know, you saw Ochai take the final shots, but I'm not sure if you want him being the passer if they're trying to set up a different play. So I think execution up and down has been something that's really worried me. Uh, I think a positive for KU is the fact that they were able to win the game without Ren Martin, um, because I think KU's ceiling is established by how good Ren Martin is, because what we've seen in the past is that guard play really does carry you in March, right? And David McCormick is not going to... You need, you need David to play better, but Remy Martin to be the one that gets KU to the Final Four if they make it that far. And so I think the fact that KU was able to win that game with that Remy Martin is a, certainly a huge positive. Now you've got to get him healthy and get him back to where he can play kind of 30 minutes a game. But I think the fact that they, against an Iowa State team that on the perimeter is one of the best in the conference. The fact that they were able to get through that game, you know, it wasn't pretty, but a win is a win. And I think that's a big deal doing it without Remy Martin. Uh, Michael, the we, we, the last, at least uh, from a Ken Palm standpoint, the, the last the, the last three games have been the worst three games for the Jayhawks in terms of turning the ball over. Um, was that more, uh, I guess, you know, it, you, it's a spectrum, so it, it can be a little bit of both, but is it more uh, opponent-driven or is it more a sign or maybe just being without Remy Martin as another option or a third option, a sign that something overall is, is slipping with this team? 
I think it's a few things. I think, honestly, if you look at their non-conference play, you know, KU didn't turn the ball over a bunch, but they really, really weren't playing like a stacked non-con schedule that we've seen KU play in the past. So, from my opinion, you know, I think it's maybe a little bit of an adjustment period for KU here in the first few weeks of conference play, going from playing these teams that you can kind of impose your will on to teams like Iowa State, like Oklahoma State, that can kind of speed you up a little bit. And so, I think it's a combination of that. I think not having Remy Martin is big. And I think that this KU team, again, it goes back to execution, just isn't that sharp and maybe you could say mentally locked in as they have been you know, in past years. So I think it's, it's just kind of a mixture of things because you look at it all, right, and when Dewan Harris is your only ball handler, that puts a lot of pressure on other guys who maybe ball handling is not their biggest strength. So you get Remy Martin back, they're, they're able to push the pace a little bit more. You're not going to have some of those half-court turnovers that you, that you saw against Iowa State where they got really, really slowed down. So I think you mentioned it being a spectrum. I think it's just a lot of things combined that have contributed to KU turning the ball over more than they have earlier in the season. We saw K.J. Adams get the start at the five position. We saw Bobby Pettiford return to action. All right, so which do you think is more, uh, more impactful come, uh, let's say, March? Bobby Pettiford plus Zach Clements, who's injured right now, or Joe Yesifu plus K.J. Adams. Which of those duos, uh, and it could just end up being one of the two players that carries the weight there, but which of those two duos do you think will have a bigger impact come March for KU? Oh, that's tough. I think, I think Zach Clements and Pettiford, and I think you look at KU, and maybe this is also dependent on David McCormick being better, but I think Zach Clements, in terms of what he brings as a floor spacer, could be big for getting guys like Christian Brown and Ochai Baji um, driving lanes and getting those guys uh, to the rim and being able to convert there and get easy buckets there. I think also Bobby Pettiford allows you to play Remy Martin off the ball a little bit more um, and allow him to be more of an off-ball scorer so he's not handling the ball for all 30 minutes or whatever he ends up playing, which can be a little bit draining, especially if we project it to March. And I think for Bobby Pettiford, you know, you listen to what Bill Self had to say about Pettiford. He's someone that self-tabby a 15-minute-per-game guy. And I think that KU needs kind of a guy to come off the bench that can spell DeWan Harris and Remy Martin. So those guys aren't getting drained throughout the course of the game and keep them fresh. So that down the stretches of the games, you can't execute. And I think a lot of these issues are very much intertwined. And I think defensively, it's going to come down to Dave McCormick being better because they need Dave McCormick to be a presence in the paint. Um, and that Clements wouldn't offer that. But I think what Clements offers you offensively in combination with what Pettiford brings in terms of giving other guys rest and keeping other guys fresh. I think that's just more of an impact than getting K.J. Adams, who isn't really an offensive player, um, and then plus Yesifu, who I'm not certainly that high on. Um, I would definitely take Clements and Pettiford. All right, he is Michael Swain. You can check out all his work at 247sportsfog.net. They've got some cool specials going on right now. Michael, before we let you go, though, one last thing with Adam. All right, Michael, one last thing. What color was the last piece of paper you wrote on, physically wrote on with the writing utensil? It is white because it's right next to me at my desk. I just have a notepad next to my desk. (laughs) There we go. All right, he's Michael Swain, 247sportsfog.net. Michael, thank you so much for the time as always, man. Thank you. Always enjoy it. All right, that is Michael Swain. Check out his work, fog.net, 24-7 sports. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn.com. Depend on it. About a quarter till five, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson. Right, we got to get to our NFL playoff predictions. Um, the bracket 
We'll start with the, I don't know, we'll go with the AFC side first. So the Titans have a bye week. Now, this is just, we're just predicting who wins, right? We're not doing. Correct. Like gambling numbers? Nope. Chiefs, Steelers, Bills, Patriots, Bengals, Raiders. What do you think happens in the AFC? All right, um, I think the Chiefs beat the Steelers. I want to preface this by saying I do think it's it's going to be an uncomfortable one. Um, it's just something feels odd about this game, and I everything points to the Chiefs dominating it. And I just it all feels very weird. I think the Chiefs win, but I think it's it's they sweat by it, and it's it's uncomfortable. Um, I don't know what the weather is going to be like in Buffalo yet. I suppose I can just check that out right now uh, if I stall enough. The weather will have a lot to do because I think Josh Allen has proven to be really good. I think the problem is what he's shown this year is he's kind of reverted back to making kind of mad decisions. Uh, is that game on Saturday or Sunday, Derek? I believe it's the Saturday night game. It's supposed to be 10 degrees in Buffalo, um, clear, no high of 10, low of 3. Um, doesn't look like snow or anything. Um I still really like Belichick's ability to make good quarterbacks see ghosts. So I'll, I'll say that's the 3-6 game, isn't it? Yes. So yeah, if the Bills I, win, I, they play the, yeah, the Chiefs. I still think, I don't know, I, give me give me the Patriots. I think that can that is a high potential to be like a weird 13-10 to 10 kind of game. Okay, so you're taking the Patriots, and then what about Bengals-Raiders? Um, Bengals. I think the Bengals are arguably the hottest team in the NFL right now. Okay, so in your bracket, you would have the Chiefs playing the Bengals in the divisional round. Yep. You'd have the Patriots taking on the Titans yep. in the divisional round. Um, who would you go with from there? Um, I'll go Titans and Bengals. Okay, so Titans, Bengals. Who you got in the AFC Championship? It feels weird. Uh, well, it feels so odd because neither team has much of a quarterback. Um, Joe Burrow? I guess yeah, it's just weird. I guess I'm. It's they're the freaking Bengals. Yeah, it's right. You know, I, I don't know why I said that because Joe Burrow's obviously a very good quarterback. Um, if they don't have Derrick Henry, man, it's going to be so tough on them. Um, yeah, but put Cincinnati. I'll say Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. Okay, so that's exciting stuff. So for my AFC picks, I'm going Chiefs over Steelers. I agree with you. I think closer game than you think. Um. I like the Bengals over the Raiders, but there is a piece of me that does wonder. Like, everybody's counting out the Raiders again, just like we all did in the Chargers game, and then Derek Carr just has some crazy game. The Bengals have been a team that has not been good in the playoffs, right? Yeah, that's very true. I mean, that wouldn't be shocking. No, but I am going to go with the Bengals as well. I do uh, really like Joe Burrow. And then I'll go with the Bills over the Patriots. Rookie quarterbacks have not fared well in the NFL playoffs. I was, I was reading an article yeah, in The Athletic I earlier. Think of that. Yeah, and uh, oh gosh, I think it was there have been eight quarterback wins by rookie quarterbacks in the playoffs, eight total. And there's only been two quarterbacks who have won two postseason games in the same postseason who are rookie quarterbacks. It's really tough. I'm going to take the Bills. I like them there. Um, so that would give me Bills Chiefs. I kind of like the Bills to pull. We both have the Chiefs losing in the divisional round. Um, I have the Bills beating the Chiefs. I just, I don't know. Something's, I, I just feel like this isn't the same for the Chiefs. And, and maybe it's just because I'm holding too much onto the fact that the Chiefs did lose to literally every other division winner. And and that does scare me because you're in the divisional round. You're playing another division winner that you lost to in Arrowhead earlier this season. 
and a team who you you beat in the AFC Championship game in that exact setting at home, I feel like they could get revenge. They'd have a lot to play for, and that that definitely worries me. Um, but I, I could be wrong. We we've seen it in the past. Teams who have lost the teams in the regular season, and then they just prove they're better than them when it really matters in the postseason. So I could be wrong. I mean, but Chiefs, I'm going to go the Bills. Chiefs Titans in in the year the Chiefs won the Super Chiefs Bowl. Titans Chiefs Texans. Yeah. They also lost the Texans last year. The Bucks lost to the Chiefs. They beat them in the Super Bowl last year. The Bucks lost twice to the Saints. Got blown out yeah. both times. And then beat, they beat them. them in the divisional, divisional round. round. Um, so I'll, I'll go with Bengals as well, upsetting the Titans. I'm not really in on the Titans. Uh, so that would give me. The, did you know the Titans? There's only one team who has gotten the one seed in the AFC who has ever had a worse point differential than the Titans. They really? won the Super Bowl. It was the Broncos with uh, Peyton, Peyton Manning last year. Yeah, with that great defense. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe it says maybe do have a, a low point differential. But anyway, um, so I have Bengals-Bills. It'd be in Buffalo. Oh, man, that's really hard because I really like Joe Burrow. I really like Cincinnati. The offensive line, just I, I don't think it's good enough, though. Um, I'll go Buffalo goes to the Super Bowl. I just have a hard time seeing Josh Allen playing three straight games without doing something really dumb. Well, he might not have to because he could do something dumb against the Patriots and, they and still their win. defense shuts down Mac Jones and yeah. they still that's win. That's a good point. You know? Yeah, that you're absolutely right. That's that's true. And I mean, he could do something dumb against the Bengals, but Joe Burrow, this is his first playoff run. He could do something dumb too, you know, yeah. as, as much as I like Joe Burrow. Um so I'll go with the Bills from the AFC side. Let's go to the NFC. Packers have the bye. The 2-7 matchup is Buccaneers-Eagles. 3-6 matchup is the Cowboys-49ers. 4-5 matchup is the Rams and the Cardinals. Okay, Rams-Cardinals, Cowboys who? Cowboys-49ers, Bucks-Eagles. Um, well, I think T- Tampa beats the Eagles at home. Um, And then what's the next one? Uh, Cowboys-49ers. In Dallas. Um. I don't know. I, I've liked the the kind of turnaround that the 49ers have had lately, but I think the Cowboys are just a good. I think they're just a good team, mm-hmm. and I think they're just a better, you know, better team is going to win. I don't think there's much to say about that. And then the last one, you have Rams Cardinals. That's a fun one. I I'm sticking with the Rams. I I like. I really like them. Okay, so you have Rams taking on the Packers in. Uh-huh. Uh, Lambo, and then you have the Cowboys at the Buccaneers. So, how do you think it goes to the NFC title? Give me a rematch of last year's NFC title in Lambo. Give me the Packers moving on and the Bucks. Buccaneers defeating Dallas. And who do you like in that game? Packers going to the Super Bowl. Okay, get some revenge. So, you have Packers versus Bengals. Um, Packers win. Packers win over the Bengals. Okay, so I have the Bills from the AFC. I'll go Buccaneers beat the Eagles. Not really worried about the Eagles there. I like Dallas over San Francisco. I really like this Dallas team. I'm going to actually go with Arizona to upset the Rams. I, I think Arizona's 8-1 and one on the road this season, and I'm pretty sure that the Cardinals are 6-0 and oh outright as road underdogs this year. They're a road underdog in this game. So I like the Cardinals to pull the upset. Uh, Matthew Stafford's never won a playoff game. That story is going to be fun if they lose after they just made that trade with Jared Goff. Wasn't one of them some funny business against? Or was that weird? Yeah, there was a bad non-call on a, uh, or maybe it was a call. I, I don't remember. I, I think the Lions got screwed. There should have been like a pass interference, like Something Calvin like Johnson that. or somebody got like tackled and didn't get called. So I have the Cardinals taking on the Packers. I like the Packers there. Um, Cowboys Bucks. I'm actually going with the Cowboys upset over Tampa Bay. They actually played in the season opener on Thursday Night Football, and the Cowboys kind of got screwed on what could have been an offensive pass interference, and they might have won that game over Tampa Bay. And if they did win that game, um, 
They're probably would have been at least the they, two seed. I don't know what the tiebreaker would have been with Green Bay, but they might have been the one seed. And no, it, it, I'm pretty sure given the week that the, the pa- I would I would guess the Packers would own the tiebreaker given the week that the Packers clinched the one seed. They clinched that one seed pretty early. Yeah, but they were a game up on the Cowboys at the time. Yeah, but I think they're only one game up with like two let two or three mm. left. Anyway, regardless. Yeah, you, regardless. you might be right. Um, so, so you're going you're going Dallas over. So go Dallas. So we have Dallas at Green Bay rematch of the uh, Ice Bowl, I guess. And then I like Green Bay to win, so I'm going to go Green Bay over Buffalo in the Super Bowl. Now you did Green ask Bay me, over Buffalo is a very '90s Super Bowl too. Yeah, that is, and and oh my gosh, I, if Buffalo loses another Super Bowl like 20 years, <laughs> 25 years after losing four straight, they're going to be like we. We just we're we're not going to win. This is as far as we can go. Um, I would feel bad for them. So those were our, our just like base picks. I do want to get picks though based on the betting odds as well. Now we gave picks for this to win the AFC. I had Buffalo in the preseason, got them plus five fifty. I took Baltimore midseason plus five fifty. So that's already a loss. I am going to add another team. I like I, even though I have Buffalo in my bracket because I think Cincinnati is going to get darn close. The Bills' odds are plus 375. Cincinnati's are plus 800. And I think there's really, really good value there. So I'll add a Cincinnati AFC title bet at 8-1. to one. Your midseason bet was the Chiefs plus 650, which is a lot better odds than they have now at plus 180. Yeah. Would you like to double down on anyone? Uh, Chiefs are plus I, 180. I I mean, Titans I, are 3-1. Three, three Bills are plus 375. Bengals at 8-1. I've one. got the Bengals going, so yeah, I may as well put 100 well. down on them. That's really good odds at plus 800. For a team who has, I mean, if if you're ranking the AFC quarterbacks, you probably go Patrick Mahomes one. I'd still put Josh Allen second, even though but I, I think do you think can make he's... a real argument for Burrow. At two, yeah, yeah, If yeah. you wanted to, if you wanted to, I I agree with you. I'd put Josh Allen too, but I I don't think Burrow is far behind. So the point is, you have one of the better quarterbacks in the AFC. In the NFC, we both have the Packers. I got them preseason at six to one. You got a midseason at plus five fifty. If you want to double down on them, which we both have them in the Super Bowl. They're plus 165. If you want to go further down the odds list just to because they have better odds, Bucks are plus 325, Rams are 5 to 1, Cowboys are plus 575, Cardinals and 49ers are 12 to 1, Eagles are plus 2800. I just the only one I would even consider or are the Buccaneers and that's just 325 is not it's basically a little better than 3 to 1. Um no, I'll stand pat. I'll add one on Dallas. I have them in the NFC Championship game. I don't think it would be that crazy. Yeah, 575, I don't think they should be have the, the uh, fourth highest odds in the NFC. And then that leaves the Super Bowl picks. Uh, I have Green Bay winning it all. I got them in the preseason 12-1. to You got Tampa Bay midway through at 6-1. to We both have Green Bay winning the Super Bowl now, though, but I'm not going to double down because it's only plus 350, which is worse than my 12-1. to Would you like Green yeah, Bay? I'll would you it, like to hear other odds? Um, what are the Chiefs? Plus 475. Give me 100 on the Chiefs. Okay. Because I I could see another like the I mean I I think they I mean I think they have the best um, I think they have arguably the best coach in the AFC and I think they have the best quarterback in the AFC and a lot of times that gets you there so I, I yeah at, at those odds uh, I don't know that coming into the playoffs you're ever getting better odds on the Chiefs to go to the playoffs in the Mahomes era so or to uh, once the playoffs start to to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought about well, I could if I wanted, I could take like the Bills at eight to one, and I could take the Bengals at twenty to one, and the Cowboys at eleven to one, and then I'd basically have four teams, and between the the four of them, it'd basically be like I was cutting my odds and saying if any of those four win, I basically get two or three to one. But I, I'm just gonna stick with Green Bay. I, I'm confident in the Packers. I'll keep them at the twelve to one, and I won't add anything. All right, that is our NFL 
postseason betting preview. We'll have our game picks on tomorrow's show for this weekend, specifically with the spread. For Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Shock Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN, klwn.com. Chiefs take on the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. The, I don't know, maybe worst time to be attending the game. I I feel like such a bad fan when I say that. It's just you get home so late. I'm so it old. It takes a day and a half to get I out know. of a parking lot at a I Chiefs know. game. But the, the crowd itself is going to be I would be, be awesome. all over this. If, I, if it were the Saturday night game, I'd be, oh, all, I'd be freaking all over it. Yeah, it's just you got to go work Monday. I have, like, meetings in the morning on Monday. Like, it's just... God old. forbid we get so a old. bank holiday know, off. Right? MLK Day Monday. Give us the day <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, specifically because the Chiefs are playing. Um, hypothetically, if I told you, if I told you that the Chiefs losing this game because it would give them a higher draft pick, right? Hypothetically, if I said if the Chiefs lose this game with whatever higher draft pick they get, I don't know where they'd be picking, like twenty one or or further than that, probably like twenty four or something. I don't know. Um. And that draft pick slot that they got by losing was guaranteed to be the best player in this draft. You can pick whatever position you want, but you just know it's going to be the best player of that draft, which is probably a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, so they get a a Hall of Famer. Would you take that, or would you rather take your chances and hope that you win this game? I'd rather win the game because I'm much more— But that is like—think about what that could do for you long term. If you could get another Hall of Fame wide receiver on this team— right? That's a good one. Uh, that's a really good hypothetical. To sacrifice one possible Super Bowl run where yeah. maybe you're not as strong but, as you were the past couple I mean, years we've anyway. Talked, we've talked all year about Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you could add another five years on a rookie contract of a of a Hall of Fame caliber receiver, granted, if we've learned anything over the previous two or three decades of the NFL, it's that Hall of Fame receivers turn out to be lunatics so you're not going to want him for much longer than five years anyway so um that's an interesting question because i i don't know i think the chiefs by far are the most and i maybe i'm just it's easy for me to say this because they're not getting a buy um but i do think this is by far the worst team Mahomes has, has started for um which <laughs> they're 12 and five in the right. second seed that's good <laughs> Um, you know, so I, I'm, I get, don't get me wrong. I, I, I fully acknowledge that that's an incredible mark, um, and, and shows how great they've been. Um, but I just think when you have a quarterback like Mahomes, you always have a shot at a Super Bowl. Plus I just bet on them at what? 425. Yeah. Um, the fact that the divisional round game, if they win, it will be at home is going to lead me to say no. But the idea of a Hall of Fame caliber receiver being added to this team is is alluring. Yes, it is. It is. I, I don't think I would take it as well. Like, 
as much as you think that would be like, oh, well, now, that I mean, think about how good they could be. It's like you can't take any playoff run for granted. You really can't because you don't know who's going to get injured. You don't know who's going to retire. You don't know who's going to be as good in football. Yeah. You have to go into this and, and go, you know, we want to try to win the Super Bowl this year. Because, you, you, like I said, you, you just don't know how that's going to work out. So, Real quick, sorry, uh, this has nothing to do with football, but I do want to break in. Uh, this is the anniversary of the uh, screwed up uh, missile alert test or missile alert in Hawaii where it was just a test and they sent it out as a real alert. Oh, gosh. So, remember that? Yeah, I do. So, uh, like I'm sorry, I wanted to make sure to get that in there. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite stories. I could not imagine. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine the freaking what? terror? Gosh. You just wake up, you're at the breakfast buffet in Miami, you go, oh, no. <laughs> anyway, sorry to interrupt, but um, so, yeah, moving on. Um, well, the human I- missile is Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, so the thing with this game, I think uh, there's probably two camps, depending on how you're viewing this game from like an, an outside perspective. One, either Ben Roethlisberger, not good anymore, washed up, they have no chance. There's another group where maybe it's like, yeah, but it's his last run, and maybe there's some special magic in the air, and I think that group is smaller than the first group. Um, And maybe that puts a little more scare into you about this game because it's like, well, shoot, do they have some weird magic on their hands because of the fact this is his last run and you're talking about a future Hall of Fame quarterback? Let me put it to rest by saying this. If you do believe that second thing, that you're worried about the Steelers because it's his last run and, and all this stuff. Do you think the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl? Because if your answer is no, because I, I would agree, it's, it's probably not going to happen, they have to lose to somebody in the playoffs yeah. for, for that run to end. So I'm expecting it to be Sunday. I, I, I agree completely. I, 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 I feel two things very truly. One, that I think it will be more uncomfortable than a lot of people think. I don't think that we're just going to be high-fiving in the fourth quarter. Um, And two, I think it would be the most disappointing loss in Chiefs playoff history if they lose. Um, Really? That's a long list. I don't know. The only only other time they were this highly favored was the the 10-7 Colts game. And that game took three missed field goals from Lynn Elliott and either three or four interceptions by Steve Bono. Um, I think the the Chiefs are going to have to do some screwing up in order for the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this game, which is entirely possible. Um, and, and and I I just don't know, man. Like I'm just nervous that you, you've got um, the numbers seem to be trending up for uh, um, Sorensen mm-hmm. playing more. I don't like that. I still do hold to as frustrating as that blitz was on third and twenty-seven, uh, and and a lot of things about that Bengals game were. I still hold to a lot of those uh, plays when uh, and everyone got mad at uh, Charvarius Ward. A lot of those plays with Jamar Chase were just great passes and great catches. And I don't know that the Steelers have a quarterback that can make great yeah. passes. They well, may have a, they may have a receiver that can make great catches. I don't think they have a quarterback that can make great passes. So I, I, I for defensively, I just I have a hard time seeing the Steelers get to twenty. And so I you know and so if you're the Chiefs, all you got to do is get is score three touchdowns one way or another. Um. But the, everything in my head just keeps saying this should be exactly like it was in the regular season, but I just can't let go of the possibility of this being like a 24-17 to 17 type game 
and I don't know why. It just it's the exact same thing I had going into the Broncos game. Something it just feels odd, and maybe it's just because I'm neurotic, and I always get nervous when everybody is just relaxed and saying no, it's a definitive win. But I don't feel like I felt great about the Colts game in 2018. The, yeah. the the first Which year was of weird Mahomes. because it was like it's you're the, playing the Colts in the Colts. playoffs. Yeah. I felt great going into that game. I just feel again. I think the Chiefs win because I think they're too good not to, and a lot of things have to go wrong for them to not win. But I also think this is this could be a, a game that the Chiefs fans are sweating, and maybe it's you know like a three point game late, and the Chiefs need a touchdown with four minutes left to really seal it or something like that. Yeah, it's just weird because that game was so dominant. You won thirty six to ten, but it it wasn't even that close. Yeah, it was. It was. was, Yeah, they crushed them. And I, I don't know. Like, is there? I think there is a world where, like those plays you mentioned with the receiver and quarterback, the Steelers did try those a couple times. If you remember, one of them ended up being an interception. The Chiefs' DBs stood firm because it was either a bad pass or they just would knock it out of the hands. There were a couple times that like Chase Claypool would come down with a contested catch and that that is what he's good at. So that helps you there. But uh, there is a world where the Steelers score a touchdown on one of those and that TJ Watt has a big uh strip fumble sack that leads yeah. to an easy score for the Steelers and that um I mean and look man, funny funny business on special team fumbling mm-hmm. a fumbling a, a muffing a punt return. But here's the thing. The Steelers Here's here's their most recent like scoring outputs offensively. 16 against Baltimore, 26 against Cleveland, 10 against the Chiefs, 19 against the Titans, 28 against the Vikings, 20 against the Ravens, 10 against the Bengals. Like it's just not a good offense. It's hard for me to see uh, the one caveat and this is a caveat that cuz I don't even want to explore this, not because it couldn't happen. Of course anytime you play football this could happen. It's just one that is on the lesser degree of it doesn't happen very often, so it's pointless to talk about it in the pregame. I'm not going to predict a team to have five turnovers or four turnovers. If it, that does happen, then yes, it could be doomsday. But you could say that about any game. You yeah, say, yeah, exactly. You know, if the if the the Chiefs had four turnovers to none against the Texans against the Browns that last game, year, right? Um, yeah, against the Browns in the in the, the so that's that's first, kind of the caveat. It was the second round, but like, their first game. If doomsday happens, they could lose the game. But if doomsday happens. You know that's that's your own fault. Yeah, 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 exactly. I yeah, that that's why I keep coming back to the Chiefs are going to have to lose this game. I don't think the Steelers can reach out and grab it. Um, I I have a hard time seeing this. I have a hard time seeing the Steelers winning a forty-one to thirty-eight shootout, and I have a hard time seeing them even losing a forty-one thirty-eight shootout because I don't know that they can get into it. I don't know that the Steelers will score more than seventeen. That might be the high end. Yeah, and so I, I think we're both agreeing that that it, it's if the Chiefs lose, it's going to be because they make a heap of mistakes, and maybe instead of seventeen points, uh, the the Steelers get a special right. teams touchdown and, and or or a strip sack or a strip touchdown, sack right. touchdown and it boosts them up to twenty four. Yeah, um, because the offense just isn't good, and um, I mean Najee Harris is a good running back, but it's just hard to see them carving out any way. Um, and I guess you could say the Chiefs defense has struggled a little more for the last couple of weeks. I don't think this is the type of offense that's going to change that. Um, the Steeler, like I mentioned, Chase Claypool can make contested catches. Deontay Johnson is a fine slot receiver, puts up good numbers, but he drops a lot of passes. This I mean, season is a good offense. 
Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, the, one of the big reasons the Chiefs struggled last week is because Drew Locke was was not great. He, he only ran for 35 yards, but two two touchdowns. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger. No, he's a statue. He used to be, he used to be, and he kind of has always been somewhat statuesque, but he was so difficult to bring down. Mm-hmm. He's not really tough to bring down anymore. No, he's, yeah. Um I, so, I think the one game-breaker thing you could look at is that T.J. Watt factor, and, and the Chiefs shut him down. He didn't have a single sack in the game that they played in, in Kansas City. You just try to avoid a game where he has three sacks, where he has the strip fumble. If that doesn't happen, it, that's the other thing. Like The way the Steelers play defense has not been conducive to stopping the Chiefs, and that might have been the most impressive game of the season for Patrick Mahomes when they played the first time. He was mm-hmm. taking the checkdowns. He was efficient. He was hitting guys underneath. The Chiefs got the running game going. The Steelers are last in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game. Yeah. Um, and if they and if yeah, and if the Chiefs are smart and, and that now Clyde Edwards Hilaire did not practice today, which is somewhat of a setback. But you you had one thing as frustrating as that Broncos game was last Saturday. You had kind of the emergence of uh Jarek McKinnon. Uh, and then you have, you know, Derek Gore has been fine this year, and Daryl Williams has been fine this year. Arguably, in the passing game, Daryl Williams has been a, a better commodity than um, uh, than Clyde Edwards-Helaire. So, you know, you, you, you're in a really beneficial spot. I, I So I keep coming back to, am I nervous because I'm just always nervous and I'm, I'm a neurotic I mean, your guy? Your gut was right in the Broncos um, game. Oh, yeah, or is there something to this? It just, yeah, something feels fun. Well, I I do agree with you that I think it's gonna like I I don't view I I don't think the Chiefs' offense is gonna be as efficient as last time they played the Steelers. Mike Tomlin I, I think is a really good coach. I think they'll have some good adjustments. Um, I just I have a hard time seeing the Steelers win, but I also I'm leaning toward the Steelers getting twelve and a half. But we'll talk more about that with game picks tomorrow. Uh, we had a little bit of this discussion last week when we talked the top wild card teams that you'd want the Chiefs to face. And it ended up bearing out. We said, you know, you'd want the Steelers or the Raiders. I know, and, and here we are Steelers, lamenting it. Right? So let's do this again. Let's see if we have some uh, special magic on hand. If you had to pick who you think uh, you would most like to play, assuming the Chiefs can beat the Steelers, in the divisional round. Now, you know that um, basically it'd have to either be the Bills by beating the Patriots or the winner of the Bengals-Raiders game if the Patriots beat the Bills. So which of those three? Bills, Bengals, Raiders? Raiders. Yeah, I, I feel like that was too obvious. So and, which and, of those other it, two? Of the, of the non-obvious yeah. ones? It, it's so weird because I, I earlier in the last segment, I picked this team to beat the Chiefs in the divisional round, but I, I would rather face the Bengals than the Bills. Is there a part of you that that's because I the loss is so fresh that it's easier to overcome the, the and rematch? It was, and it was closer. It, it reminded me. I, I We came in that Monday. I said it reminded me of uh, the loss in Tennessee in 2018 where a lot had to go wrong for you to just lose by three. Uh, and that's exactly what it was. So I, I would rather um, the, the Raiders are the obvious one. Beyond the, the obvious pick, the, the Bengals. I'd rather pay, face them than the Bills. And it probably is just looking at the, the point spread in the previous matchups. See, I agree with you from that standpoint, but I also, I'm just so worried about the matchup of, like, if you told me going in, okay, Steve is going to change up what he does defensively, I would say, he okay, never, he 100% never give me the Bengals. But if they're like, no, we're going to do the same exact thing we did last time, I would almost rather say the Bills. You know, it, it's kind of a weird thing. So I, I don't know who I would pick between the two of them, to be completely honest. Um, I guess because of the fact that, hmm, 
I don't know. We both agree the most obvious scenario would be you hope that the Patriots beat the Bills and then you hope the it's weird because if if you're rooting for for one thing, I guess you do have the the Raiders Bengals game first. So you root for the Raiders to beat the Bengals. But then what's unfortunate there is if the Raiders beat the Bengals and then the Bills beat the Patriots, then the Raiders are playing the Titans and you're going there you're you're sitting there going, "Well, shoot. Now the Titans are going to host the AFC Championship game because they're going to beat the Raiders." But if the Raiders beat the Bengals, then you're rooting for the Patriots that you can play the Raiders. At so home. it's like yeah. yeah, you're kind of playing with a, a very fine line here. Yeah. And then there's the other flip side to this where it's um, you know, if the Bengals win, they have a better chance of beating the Titans, but you're a little bit more afraid of the Bengals than the Raiders. Um, so yeah, I think if we power ranked them, I'd, I'd go one Raiders for most want to play. Obviously, I think I would agree with you. Bengals at number two, Bills at three. We, you know, it feels like we're doing this, and and part of it is because we have a show and, and we have to fill time, and this is an intriguing discussion. But it does this doesn't feel like the conversation that is is you have. If, if what you expect is to win another, mm-hmm. or to go to or win another Super Bowl. Now, nobody, I, I don't, well, neither of us last year, and I, of course, wasn't on the show last year, but I, I knew you, and we were friends last year. And so I know neither of us were sitting there just thinking the Chiefs would just walk into the, to the Super Bowl last year. But I think every year you do, if you expect to win a Super Bowl, you kind of, have to just sit there and say, look, at some point we're going to have to play a good team and we're going to have to beat a good, multiple good teams. And that's, and that's the case to win a Super Bowl. Um, but I, for some reason, this feels like a not expecting a Super Bowl and just how can we prolong this playoff run as much as possible. Yeah. Which it, may go back to how we just happen to feel about this Chiefs team right now. It really might, but also if they – Get back to the AFC Championship. We're not gonna, you know, be that shocked either. All right. No, it wouldn't be stunning. No. With Adam Dravet, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com. We'll talk some more KU women's basketball on the other side.